If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. For the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this uh, question of evil. What is evil? Uh, you know, how, how do we ask to be delivered from evil? When we get to this prayer here in the Lord's Prayer, what are we asking the Lord to do? And so we saw the evil, the opposite of good. It's not doing what God says to do. It, it's a problem because we live in a, in a world where evil is a part of our world. It is part of the fallen human heart. People uh, who do evil, who hate though to be told that they're doing evil, who will actually call you, call you evil for telling them that they do evil and will hate it when you do the good. All of these things are a reason that evil is a problem and why we might have to pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. So how does the Christian respond to that world? How do we deal with this world of evil? How do we, how do we battle evil? And so that's what we've been looking at is the battle against evil. And now, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Christian's battle against evil. How does the Christian fight uh, against evil? And so we'll remind ourselves of that in just a second. But right now, let's go ahead and stand in the honor of reading the word of our God. We'll read verses 9 through 13. We'll read the Lord's Prayer. We'll focus on this last, uh, this last request of our God. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we come today and God, we are thankful for this prayer. We're thankful that you tell us how to pray. Father, I pray that we would more tie our prayers to this model prayer. And, and Lord, I, I'm so thankful that the, of the depth of each of these prayers, how they pull from roots deep in Scripture to give us requests that will be those requests we can always have, things we always will be able to ask you and things we can confidently know. Uh, you have, you are, and you will always answer. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're looking at this last phrase. We're looking at deliver us from evil. And so we're, we're, we've been asking the last, well, since last week, how does the Christian handle evil? How do they handle this evil world? So we're able to get through a few points. Last week, we looked at the Christian stays away from evil, that the Christian purges evil, uh, that they hate evil, uh, and that they begin the battle. This battle against evil begins not just with the world out there, but in themselves. That's where we've got to start. Now, now let me ask you, after last week, did you do that? Did you do those things that we looked at last week? Did you in your life say, okay, I've got to stay away from evil? Did you purge evil from your own heart? Did you hate the evil of it? I mean, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, how obedient, if we're going to, if we're going to fight evil, how obedient and evil is not doing what God says, how obedient were you to the word you heard last week? Did you harden your heart and make excuses for the sins you might have thought about in the middle of the service? Oh, that's an evil. If I'm going to begin the battle of evil and it begins with me, this is something I've got to deal with. Did you deal with that this week? Did you or did you like the world? Did you harden your heart to that conviction of the Lord? Did you distract yourself with a, a handful of other what about isms, maybe in someone else's life or other distractions? They're really just a way to, to get away from evil and, to, and the root it's got in you. 
If last week God convicted you of, of some evil in your life and you didn't purge it, you didn't work all week to purge it till it was gone, till it was clean. I mean, this last week, uh, man, there's, there's a sink. There was a sink in the kitchen that would not drain. Uh, and I finally had enough of that sink. And so I went after that sink in the, in the, in the church's kitchen. And I mean, I purged that thing. Uh, if you'd have seen what came out of that sink, you'd have purged it too. Uh, and I remember I, I cleaned it out and then I ran another through it, through it, ran Drano through it, then got bleach, ran bleach through it, then just took Lysol and sprayed it all down just in case. Why? Because I wanted to get rid of whatever was in that drain. I want whatever had clogged that, whatever had made it. I wanted to purge it. That's how we should be with sin in our own life. The Lord shouldn't just show us sin on Sunday and us forget about it by the end of lunch. I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to win this battle against sin, if we're going to fight the battle against sin, it's not just being aware of sin. It's not just confessing sin as we learned in the foundry this week. It's not just confessing your sin. It's forsaking it. And so this week, I want to ask you, we know the battle begins with us, but I want to know last week, did you battle? Or were you just aware that there's a battle? You didn't do anything about it. If you weren't weren't purging sin, don't think sin wasn't trying to get its roots deeper in your life last week. There wasn't a stalemate. There's no DMZ in the fight against sin. When you weren't fighting it, that was it fighting you. Trying to get its roots deeper in your life. So whatever it was, if it was your, your marriage or your home or yourself, and you didn't deal with it. You didn't fight sin last week. I want to start off by us confessing that. I don't want to go deeper into the fight against sin if we're already ignoring the things that God told us last week. Confess it. Confess that sin again. And then confess your sin of not killing it when you know you should have. That you, that you were hardened to the spirit and its work in your life that you ignored the spirit and cry out to God to deliver you from it like we've just done in this prayer cry out for God to deliver you from that evil but we've got more we've got more so it's not just a week of hey did you guys do that uh, we're going to talk about it again this isn't just remedial the battle against sin I don't think any of you did that so we're going to go over it one more time uh, until I think you get it that's not what it is we got more we're going to add more to it but I wanted to make sure that we did that we're building on top of it on top of a solid foundation and not just, not just more sticks and wooden hay and stubble that we're not actually going to do uh, and so what can we add this week? So last week we got, you know, what do Christians do in their battle against sin, battle against evil? How are they supposed to handle it? Well, they stay away from it. They purge it. They hate it. They begin the battle with themselves. And then the next step is, is, is the active thing we do. Sort of might have seemed like an obvious step. We, not only do we stay away from evil, not only do we hate it and purge it and all that, we run toward the good. The Christian runs toward the good. Uh, as Christians, the battle against evil is not a passive one. It, it's active. And, and the Christian does. We battle evil by not taking part in it. We saw that last week, staying away from the evil. We're going to see another verse in just a second that talks about how important it is in the battle to have nothing to do with evil because we, because we hate evil. We want no part with it. We don't do it. It just makes sense. But instead of just not doing evil, which would be the, the passive way that we fight, just not taking part in the evil, the active way that we fight, the positive thing, 
The negative thing is don't do the evil. But the positive thing we've got to do in the battle is as Christians, we must do the good. This is Colossians, put off and put on. It's a very common, very common theme throughout Scripture. The battle against anything is not just a putting off of something, uh, of something wrong, but a putting on of the good. It's not just a putting off of sin, but a putting on of righteousness. And that's what we see in the battle against evil. Of course, there are all sorts of verses we could look at, all sorts that we could see where obedience is part of the Christian life and part of the Christian's battle against evil. The, the, the holiness without which we will not see the Lord. It's all sorts of things we could look at, all sorts of verses. But I really love this verse from Psalm 34. I really love it because I think it's such a good encapsulating verse for this idea. It grasps both sides of the battle against sin, both the negative and the positive. Uh, So uh, Psalm 34, beginning in verse 13 and 14, says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it i i love this verse because it does it grasp the desire for the whole of the christian life to be free from evil guard you know guarding your tongue against evil in your speech staying away from evil in your actions staying away from evil. nothing to do with it so there's that staying away that staying away from evil turning away from it But it's not just a turning away from evil, it's a what? It's a doing of the good. So the evil that you're doing, stop doing it. Guard yourself, make sure you don't start doing it. So if you, this is that stay away and then purge. So guard, keep your tongue from evil, don't let it even do the evil. But if it is doing evil, what do you do? You turn away from the evil and you do good. There's that purge. If you are, if you do have sin in your life and you're, you're already in the midst of the battle, you're already wounded, what do you do? You purge the sin. You stay away from it, but if you're in the midst of it, you purge it. But then that's not just it. It's not just dealing with the sin. You then pursue righteousness. You do the good. And so, Christians, if we're going to battle against, uh, against sin, it's not just going to be a matter of, I'm going to quit being a bad husband. It's not just, I'm going to quit being a husband that, you know, always tears down my wife. I'm just going to quit tearing her down. It's you be a good husband. It's not just quit tearing down. It's what? To start building up. That's what Ephesians tells us about when it talks about, let no unwholesome talk come out of your heart. Let no, let no uh, the word there is sapros, actually. It, it means no, they talk about it with sappers. Like when they used to tear down walls in the like medieval period, you'd have sappers go down. So anyway, don't have, don't have speech that comes out that destroys, that tears down. Instead, how's our speech supposed to be? Building up. That encourages others. That builds them up. That's what's supposed to happen in our lives. You're not a good parent. You've been a father who uh, loses self-control, loses control of his tongue. Let's not have it just be the dads. Let's have it be the moms. Like dad just got being bad husbands. Let's have moms be, be bad mothers. Uh, so let's say you're a mom who just loses control of your tongue. You just say things. You get mad. You, you, you huff. You go around the house just with a sour mood. You don't correct the evil. You just kind of hope everyone's going to tell that you're off, right? That you're just like, huh. And, and that's going to be their corrective. Oh, ooh. you know, you want to teach them that if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's the one 
one, that's the one lesson you want to teach the home. And you realize that's really a, a horrible way to live. And that's not how the Bible tells us to discipline our children, you know, to just go around huffing when, we, when, we've, when they've done wrong or when we're upset, when we're upset at them or upset at our husband. So it's not just like, oh, I'll quit huffing. It's no, start doing the good. Start being the type of mother that you're supposed to be. Start doing the good. So in these battles against evil, when you recognize evil, yes, part of it, part of it is pulling up the weed. Part of it is pulling it up, making sure the roots are gone, but that hole that's left, fill it with good. Don't just leave that empty hole and be like, oh, well, who got rid of that? The Bible says you, you do, you do keep your tongue from evil. You do keep your lips from speaking deceit. You do turn away from evil. But then what do you do? You do good. And look at the words that he uses uh, in verse 14 at the end of it. You seek peace. You pursue it. I mean, we need to be a, a, a people that are pursuing righteousness, that are pursuing the good, aren't just hoping that the good will fall into our lap. We know what the good is. We're going to see that in just a second. We know what the good is. So just start pursuing it. Start hunting it down. Don't just lament that you're not the man you're supposed to be. Don't just lament that you're not the woman you're supposed to be. Pursue what you're supposed to be. Hunt it down. Do it. Run, as we said, run toward the good. We, when, when it comes to evil, we do turn and we do turn from the evil, but it's not, a, it's not a purposeless running. We're running toward the good. When we're pursued by evil, we pursue the good. When evil is hunting us down, the answer isn't just to get away from the evil. The answer is you start hunting down the good. You start pursuing the good. So when you feel in your life, I feel like evil is pursuing me. I feel like it's chasing me. I feel like it's coming after me and my home and all that. What's the answer? It's not just to start peeking out of the blinds and looking for evil everywhere. It's not just lock the doors because evil's coming. It's pursue the good. Pursue righteousness. It is an active fight against evil. You, if you're worried, husbands, if you're worried about evil coming after your home, the answer isn't just start keeping an eye on your wife because you think she might be the weak point or maybe the kids are the weak point or maybe you're just looking in the mirror and thinking maybe you're the weak point. It's not just doing that. It is actively going after the good. It is you, you don't just go on the defensive. You hunt down righteousness. You pursue righteousness as hard as you feel evil is pursuing you. So whenever anybody calls me or or we're going through counseling and they feel like evil's just right there trying to get them, I want to say, look, as hard as evil is coming after you, that's how hard you have to pursue righteousness. And if you're looking at this battle against evil and you think the evil outside in the world's no big deal, then you don't have to pursue righteousness very hard. If you think the world out there, it's not that evil, then you're probably not going to have to pursue righteousness very hard in your life. But if you think the world out there is a world full of temptations... Uh, and is the, 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 as, as we saw last week, they have become inventors of evil. Right? And you go, I'm not even sure if Paul knew how much we'd invent evil in 2022. If you think the world out there is inventing evil, then listen, you had better pursue righteousness as hard as you think the world is pushing unrighteousness. If you think the world is trying to push sin on you and on your home, the answer isn't just to guard. It is to guard. But it's not just a guard. You pursue righteousness 
as hard as this world is pushing unrighteousness. You pursue godliness as hard as this world is, produce, is, is pushing for ungodliness. Pursue the good. Seek it. Pursue it. Don't just run from evil. Run to the good. This is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 21. What does he say? Don't be overcome by evil. There's the defensive thing, right? It's that defensive picture. Don't let evil get you. But that's not where it ends. He doesn't just say, hey, don't be overcome by evil. What does he say? But overcome evil with good. That's us going on the, on the offensive. A lot of times we think the battle against evil is, again, just a defensive fight. But we as a people need to be offensive against evil. It's not just a matter of you sitting back behind your shield and swinging your sword like this. It's the gates of hell that do not prevail. We are supposed to be actively pursuing righteousness. We're supposed to be seeking that. We're not supposed to be overcome by evil, but we're supposed to go on the offensive and overcome evil with good. There's the juxtaposition. There's the, there's the, 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 the comedy between the two things. As hard as is, so when you're in your life, if you feel evil is pressing against you, the answer is to defend it. But also, as hard as evil is pushing against you, you pursue righteousness that much harder. It's like an old school science experiment where as pressure is increased over here and the water level rises over here, you, incre- you match that pressure. You put, when you feel like evil is pushing against you, you push back with righteousness. You don't just, I don't want us just to defend against evil. I want us to fight for the good. I want us to pursue the good. And in the battle against evil, you're not just meant to be on the defensive. We're meant to go on the offensive. We're meant to pursue righteousness. We're meant to seek it. When you feel pursued by sin, or when you feel like sin already has you, go on the offensive. Turn toward the good and do it. Now, the great thing is, like we said, is that this is not, is not something that you cannot do, but it is something that you must do. So when you feel, I love this, this war example that we see in Deuteronomy 23, verse 9. Look at Deuteronomy 23, verse 9. He says, when you're encamped against your enemies, then you shall keep yourself from every evil thing. When you're, if you're going to go to war, yes, by all means, you keep everything out of the camp. You stay away from it. You keep away from it. Well, then you go, but, but what's the good I'm supposed to do? So I know I'm supposed to do that. I know I'm supposed to stay away from the evil. But what's the good that I do? Well, the good news is the Bible tells us that the choice between good and evil for the Christian is an obvious one. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, just following Deuteronomy 29, 29, where the Lord tries to, you know, where we try to, the Lord knows we're going to try and say, well, the secret things belong to you, God. Uh, And then he's like, yeah, but the things that I've revealed belong to you and to your children forever so that you might do them. Yeah, but it seems like there's a lot of secret things. And he's like, yeah, but there's not. There's a lot that I've revealed, and that's what you got to focus. I don't know. It's kind of secrety to me. And so then the rest of Deuteronomy 30 is like, do what I've told you. And that's that's the great thing here. Look at in verses 19. He says, I call heaven and earth the witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you 
and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Now God doesn't say here, God doesn't say, hey, I've set before you life and death. Good luck figuring out which is which. Yeah, you know, like it's some sort of sovereign cup game, like some sort of divine, which one is it? Which choice is life and which choice is death? Oh, you want to be a good husband? Oh, but which one are you supposed to do? Should you do this or do that? One's life, one's death. That's not what God does here. The Christian, he says, has been set free from evil, been commanded to avoid it. We've been called to purge it, to look at it for first in, in ourselves, And then in others, and here we see that's not a hard thing to do. The problem, so when it comes to the Christian and the battle against evil, for us, the problem is not one of vision. The problem is one of action. The problem is never one of I don't see where the evil is or I don't see what I'm supposed to do. The Lord says, I've laid before you life and death. I've shown you, I've shown you, and this this is in Deuteronomy. So by Deuteronomy, you could just read through Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy 30 and no the choices between life and death good and evil I mean it, the, the scriptures are filled filled with things that the Lord has revealed to us and to our children that forever that we might do them the choice is not difficult God is not playing some choose your own adventure game where you're wanting to glorify him wanting to be a good husband wanting to be a good wife wanting to be a good child and you open the door that you think leads to righteousness and find out oh there was an alligator on the other side you just got eaten womp 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 end of story that's not what the Christian life is like. God says, run to the good. And when you, when you read what he says, and he's laid before your life and good, and you pursue it, what is always going to be on that other side of your obedience is life. And it is sin that wants to tell you, you don't know what's on the other side of that door. You, you start being a husband like that, she'll start walking all over you. She's going to start owning the home. She's going to do this. She's not going to make your favorite meal anymore, whatever it might be. Oh, don't go through that door. But it's the one the Lord clearly calls me to. Yeah, but you don't, you don't know what's going to be on the other side of the door. Oh, if I'm a wife like this, he's going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to have any joy in my life anymore. Because again, everyone always thinks the other person's going to just run all over. He's going to walk all over me. If I'm the child I'm supposed to be and I honor my parents and they tell me to do something and I go, but I don't understand. I don't want to do that. Then either I can go, Ugh. but if I, if I do what they tell me, I know I'm supposed to obey them. But if I do what they tell me, my life's not going to be any fun. On the other side of that door's not any fun. I know they, they're telling me, trust me, we know we've been there. But you're going, oh, but, but I'm here and it looks like this thing that I want to do is so much fun. And sin will tell you, you don't know what's on the other side of that door. And God says every time, yes, you do. Yes, you do. On the other side of obedience is always life. On the other side of obedience is always life and joy and peace and happiness. No one ever opened the door of obedience and was disappointed on the other side. But I've talked to plenty of people who have stared at the door of obedience for a decade and never opened it. They've known what they were supposed to do as a husband for a decade. They know what they're supposed to do as a father for a decade or decades. And they looked at that door and they wish they'd walked through it, but they never, never ran to the good. Christian, if you know the good to do, don't just open that door, fling yourself through it. Don't even give yourself a chance to try and jiggle the handle and go, well, it seems like it might be locked. Throw yourself through that door. 
Crash through it like the Kool-Aid man coming through a wall. Get in on the other side of that obedience in pursuit of the good because on the other side, you will always find life. The problem with the Christian is not one of vision. It is one of action. It is that we are far too timid and far too faithless. We do not trust our God when he says, if you will lay down your life and pursue me, it will always be for your good. And in fact, you lay down your life, what will happen? You will find it. So believe him, Christian. Sin is lying to you. Sin is lying and telling you, I am life. While it's killing you, God has laid before us life and death. And if we pursue the good, the outcome will always be life on the other side. So the Christian, not only do they stay away from evil, not only do they uh, purge it, hate it, begin that battle in themselves, they, they run toward the good. They see the evil, but they're active. We're active in our fight against evil. And that means we're running uh, toward the good. Uh, but the Christian's uh, avoidance of evil is not because we think that evil is some sort of uh, force equal to God. Now, the reason we stay away from evil isn't because, you know, ooh, evil, evil is just as powerful as God, and I want to be careful and, and stay away from, from evil because it might end up winning if I, if I help it out or, or, or something like that. The Christian avoids evil, but the Christian does not fear evil. The Christian does not fear evil. Evil. So in the battle against evil, we're not in this battle afraid of evil itself. Now, we saw two weeks ago that evil has horrible and lasting consequences. And you can fear those consequences. You can fear the consequences of evil. But you are not afraid that evil is going to win in this world or in your life. So evil is not some sort of like boogeyman. Again, that is equal to God in its power. Why does a Christian not fear evil? Well, the Christian does not fear evil because the Christian knows that evil does not win. So this is not a battle that the Christian is sort of, you know, we're joining. I remember when I was young and I heard about like battles of Armageddon and stuff like that. And I remember I prayed for the Lord to let me be on a horse and fight in that battle you know, my big fear was that I'd be in this battle of Armageddon and I'd be, you know, on a horse toward the armies of darkness. And right before I, you know, oh, like got in and started swinging my sword, the Lord was going to open his mouth and they would all perish. And I wouldn't even get to do anything. Uh, so I remember I, this is, I mean, I was a young guy. I was like maybe 39. Uh, so I was, I remember like, I remember praying like, Lord, let me get one good shot in. Uh, and then you could just open your mouth and, and waylay him. But in the, in, in the Christian battle, it, it, there's no fear that in this battle against evil, that it's some actual war that our side might lose and God's going to need me to, to get a little yeah, yeah in there. There's no fear of, of us losing. We, we, we fear no evil because we know, the Christian knows that his evil enemies, those outside himself and inside himself, we know that they lose. We know the evil that we combat in us and outside us will always lose. Look at Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8. It says this, he is not afraid of bad news. That word bad is the same word as evil. They just translated it bad here. Uh, he is not afraid of raw, of that evil news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. 
So as, as Christians, we're not afraid of evil tidings. We're not afraid of, oh, it really seems like the world is going, you know, to hell in a handbasket. We're, we're not afraid of rumblings of evil on the horizon. Our heart is firm. We are not shaken. When we hear of rumblings of evil, we just get ready for war. And we get ready for a war we know we're going to win. We don't look at the rumblings of evil and go, oh, no, here it comes. Here comes the tide that's going to wipe out the kingdom of God. The man of God is not afraid of evil news. His heart is firm. Why? Because he trusts in the Lord. We've got no reason to fear. We know that defeat isn't on the horizon. We know that the kingdom of God expands, not the kingdom of darkness. We know that it is the gates of hell that are in jeopardy, not the gates of Christ's church. We know that we will look in triumph on our adversaries. The adversaries of this world that plague you, those out there that are pursuing evil with a passion greater, sadly, than your pursuit of righteousness, those people out there who love their evil more than you, love your righteousness, those people you will look on in triumph someday. The enemies inside you, the sin that you battle daily, that you've been battling and trying to kill and trying to pluck over and over and it's wearing you down, you can know you will look in triumph over that enemy. We are not afraid because we know that evil does not win. In fact, we know that evil has already lost. Colossians chapter 2.15 He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We're not afraid because Christ has already beaten our enemies. He's already disarmed them. He's already bound the strong man. He's already won. So we don't fear evil. We don't fear evil because we think God will win. We don't fear evil because he already has won. And we don't fear evil because God is with us. So we're not afraid of evil because we know we're not going to lose. And we're not afraid of evil because we know that God is with us. Look at Psalm 23. The reason we're we're able to stand firm, like we saw in that last verse in Psalm 112, the reason the man of God is able to stand firm trusting in the Lord is because he knows the Lord is not just up there. The Lord is right here with him in the midst of the battle. So Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk, we all know this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's not, it's not here saying that God is going to keep all evil away from us. He's saying that even if evil does come, even if we're in the valley of the shadow of death, even there, we're not afraid. Why? Because God is with us. Because I'm not alone. And we know that he will use his rod and his staff. And that comforts us. That God's rod will drive away any evil that comes at us. We're in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm comforted by the Lord. He's got a rod and he's got a staff. If the wolf comes, he will beat them with his rod and drive them from his children. 
And he's got a staff to guide us. Should the foolish ones among us begin to wander toward the evil, begin to wander from him and go, hey, this valley seems pretty nice. Maybe I'll sit here and chew for a while. This grass looks nice. With his staff, he will guide us and direct us. Evil and those who do evil are not equal with God. This is in the battle against sin. This is not a contest. It's not a back and forth. There's nothing hanging in the balance. God will not lose the battle. And that means God will not lose you. John chapter 10, verse 27 and 30. What does it say? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. God is with his people. He's with his sheep. No one can snatch them away. Evil is not going to snatch you away from the hand of God. So you don't need to fear it. God is with you and he's there beside you as a shepherd. And he's got a rod and he's got a staff. And you're never going to find those wanting. You're never going to find him trying to drive away the evil with the rod. And the evil get you and take you and one of your sheep. And the evil has come and snatched you from the hand of the shepherd. It's never going to happen. God will never abandon us. And no one will ever take us from him. No matter what happens in the world, no matter how bleak your situation might look, and it seems like every step forward you take is followed by two steps backwards. You'd even take two steps forward and one back at this point. You'd celebrate two forward and one back. Because right now it's been like one forward and a giant two or three leaps backwards. But we don't give up hope. Why? Because God will not abandon you. And no one will take you from him. The the sovereignty of God in our battle against evil is a salve to the beleaguered soul. When you feel beat up, when you feel like you have almost lost and you feel like you don't have it in you to be able to go, well, it's not about you. It's about the one in you and he will never fail you. He will never lose and he will never lose you. It's not just that he'll never lose. He will never lose you. And sometimes as his children, we feel so insignificant So worthless. We feel like we must be the worst of the kids because we're dealing with all the battles. And we've got all the failures and all the struggles. And we're sure no one else has ever had the struggles that we have. Listen, I've counseled enough of you to know there are plenty of you in here that think that no one else has ever gone through the struggles that you've gone through. They think that your family is the worst, that no one's ever had the history that you've got, the whatever that you've got. Look, we all have been battling. We all have been growing up in a fallen world and we all got the scars to prove it. But you know what? In the midst of that, you can know when you feel beat down, when you feel conquered, when you feel forgotten by God, when God promises he will never lose and he will never lose you, That is a boon to our hearts. That's an encouragement that we need. 
that God has not lost. He cannot lose you and no one can take you away from him. And because of that, the Christian does not fear evil, does not fear any evil, even as it stands on the doorsteps of their house. They know that in the end, he will not lose and therefore we will not lose. And we fight different when we believe that. We fight different when we know there's victory on the other side. When we know that God has promised that, And we know that he'll use his rod and his staff to get it. So the Christian uh, uh, runs toward the good. Um, The the, the Christian is not afraid of evil. And the last thing we're going to see, so you got evil world, evil people, evil hearts, evil hearts pointing, uh, getting mad at us when we point out they're evil, that hate the good that we do, that will call your evil or your good evil. That evil with these horrible consequences for, for everything. And so we stay away from it. We purge ourselves from it. We hate it. We kill it in ourselves. We run from it to the good. We're not afraid because we know God will win. We know he has one. We know he's with us. So it's the very last thing we do. How do we, we know all this about evil. So how do we then, what's the first step we take? What do we do in this fight? The very thing, the, the, the last thing we're going to talk about is the very thing that got us here to begin with. We pray. We pray. We started this talk about the Christian and his battle against evil because Jesus tells us to pray. Deliver us from evil. And then as we started to look through the scripture and see what all the Father has said about evil, see all the things that are no longer secret, but he has revealed to us about evil and our battle against it. And we see that. So what do we do? We now know more in our words as we still do what? We still pray. Father, deliver us from evil now we know more about our deliverance and we know more about what evil is but what we do doesn't change we pray that's what we're seeing here matthew 6 13 deliver us from evil you know what evil is you know it you know you know it's out there you know it's in everyone you know it hates you you know you know you got to kill it you know you know all this you got to stay away from it got to purge it whatever it is what do you do so you say father deliver us from evil What's amazing is Jesus isn't coming up with a new prayer here. And they're like, hey, deliver us from evil. And everyone's like, wow. That's a, I never thought about that. The scripture's full of this plea. One that I love, and I shared this last night in sort of your, your prep for, for Sunday, uh, the, for the Lord's Day, is Psalm 141.4. It says, do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their delicacies. You see here, what do you see? Guard our hearts, guard our hands, and guard who we spend our time with. In the, in the delivering us from evil, this is what we're longing to stay away from so that we might pursue the good. God, guard my heart. Don't let my heart incline to any evil. Don't let guard my actions. Don't let me busy myself with wicked deeds and guard who I spend my time with. You want to be delivered from evil? These are the things you guard against. You, 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 watch, you watch your heart. You watch what you do. And you watch who you spend time with. Because they're going to promise you delicacies and they will not be able to deliver. It will be a banquet in the grave. 
So what does the Christian do? The Christian prays. And so let's do that right now. Let's begin the battle against evil. Hopefully that you started last week. If you didn't, it'd be a great time to start it with prayer. Let's pray and ask the Lord to deliver us from evil. Let's bow our heads. Let's begin with a time of confession. Let's begin by, by saying, God, in his mercy, might have shown you sin last week, convicted you of it, sent his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to convict you of a sin. You, me, nobody's in the history of humanity. And yet God, in his kindness, because he is your father, sent his spirit to convict you of something you had done. He could have very, very much been in the right to send his spirit to just kill you for the sin that you had done. And instead, in his mercy and grace, he convicted you. And yet we must confess that we... Like the Israelites of old, more like Pharaoh than like Christ, hardened our hearts to those convictions. And maybe it's just that we hardened our hearts and that we didn't battle against sin. So confess. And Christian, we, we face a battle. We face a battle that's been raging since the garden, but one we will win. One that has been won for us. And so today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper in a second. And what I want you to see is, I want you to see your victory against evil in His work on the cross. The Christian is, is not afraid of evil because he knows his adversaries will be beaten. That their defeat happened in the cross of Christ. And so we, though, we, though we fight against evil, though we cry out to be delivered from it, we don't cry out in fear. We cry out in faith. We cry out for victory. We don't just cry out to be helped. We cry out that we might win. How can you know, how can you know that evil will not win, that God will deliver you? Because he promised he would. Because he loves you. Because he already has. So let's begin this fight against evil with the same prayer that we saw to end, end our time together. Let's ask God to guard our hearts. Ask God to guard your hands. And ask God to guard who you spend your time with. And don't just, in all of those, again, don't just avoid the negative, pursue the positive. Don't just guard against evil in your heart, pursue good in it. Fill it with good, th good thoughts, good intentions. Ask that the Lord would fill your heart with good things. Don't just not do evil with your hands. Don't just guard your hands against evil. Be at work. Pick up the sword and go to battle against evil. Do good, seek peace and pursue it. Don't just ask God to keep you from evil company. Fill your days with good company.
that you know God promises will stir you up to love and good works and encourage you and that he tells you you should do more and more as you see the day approaching. Fill your life with the good. Father, we come to you today and we are going to fix our eyes and our hearts on the victory that has been won for us. That sin will, will no longer has dominion over us. We've been taken from its kingdom and put in the kingdom of the Son. And so, Father, we rejoice. God, we rejoice that, that Father, our Christ has triumphed. That he has triumphed over our enemies. So we are not afraid. And we fight with the promise of victory through the power of the cross, all of which is ours only, solely, but surely in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.